Hey, Lester, what do we chat about this week? David Chase. Didn't you make some joke about a shit sandwich? Yes. That's sort of your life story, isn't it? No. It was a <laughs> shit joke about a shit sandwich. <laughs> Pinky Beecroft. Yes. <laughs> Good to have you here, mate. I'll be here. There. Is this happening in the future? Is if it's the happening record? in the future, I'm going to be there. If it's happening now, I'm less present than I should be. If it happened in the past, then I apologise for whatever was said. Welcome right to Comedy on Edge presents a chat show with live in Edge HQ on sound. We've got Ryan, special comments. Crawford, how are you, buddy? I'm really good, Mark. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty I'm good knowing that you're on sound and our other gentleman, Lester Diamonds on the couch. Lester, <laughs> how's life treating you? That's great, mate. Good to be here. Lester, sit over there, further away. Yeah, yeah we've, <laughs> we've actually got him in the room as far away from the sound as possible, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So be thankful for that when you get this listening to this. Did, so, he, bring, did he bring any cans in within this time? No, we've stopped. We've got we've got a metal detector. A metal now detector from at the door, so no aluminium. Listen, so you got nothing on you, no plans to sabotage. I've got water here. Could, you got water? Oh, you can do some damage with the water. Could go wrong. Um, can you at least wait till the 40-minute mark of this, just so we can get the podcast before we have to start a Kickstarter to get a new sound system? Well, that's good. So Lester's here with the water agent, and we're, I'm very excited. We've got one of my favorite musicians, one of my favorite people in the house. We've been, we've been back and forth on Facebook for right to arrange this, and he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a man described... At the Arias is one of the greatest lovers of in the universe. Really? Miss, you were, don't you, Mr. Pinky Beecroft. Hello. Hello. I think it was your friend, Mr. Friedman, said that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember much about the Arias. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the 10 people watching do either. No. So welcome, Pinky. How are Thanks. you doing? Good. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Back then the Arias were big. But now the Arias are a nightmare. <laughs> Were they big? Yeah, that was a big thing. Like, it was like um, was Dave McCormack and like all these like big Aussie acts were there. It was really, like '96 that era. That was a good, good, good Ferrari. Was played at 2009. You got the auto tuned era. I don't know. That's my theory. That's your theory. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it went the other way. That Arias were only became big when they started televising the whole thing and making a fuss about. <laughs> Australian musicians. Well, I didn't think that happened until the presets arrived and then suddenly it was important. When was I watching it? It must have been on Channel V or something I was watching it. He must have been one of the I remember Dave McCormack was on the red carpet and he had like this big bottle of Coke and he goes, um, so um, did they tell you you were going to win? He goes, mate, you don't know. He goes, I thought you, they always told you, but you don't know. And he took his big swig. <laughs> you genuinely don't. Yeah. 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 It's great. No, you have no idea at the areas. I had no idea I was there most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know the things that they tell you beforehand and they never used to tell you beforehand. It was a bit of a shock. What do they say? Well, they don't. They don't say anything. They just say, come to the Arias. They don't say hello. They don't even greet you. I didn't know, look, I don't even know what the format is. What do they do? They have nominations? So they say, and the five people nominated? It changed every year. It changed a lot when I went. I mean, I haven't been for a long time. Maybe it's completely different now. But I remember winning a couple of times and going, I just had no idea that I was even nominated. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember one, I shouldn't tell this story. <laughs> I remember one year, uh, 
just getting tapped on the shoulder the first year they started to televise the full thing and saying look if you're going to rack up drugs at the table we'll cue you so that you're not doing it while the camera swings <laughs> 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 true story I went oh cheers thanks I think they tapped me a couple of times and said can you not do that at the table and finally went look we'll tell you when the camera's on you <laughs> I'm impressed they didn't come up to you did you bring enough to share with everyone <laughs> Oh, a lot of other people were asking me that. I didn't realise we had Freddie Mercury on the podcast. <laughs> Jesus, what a party. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you did look genuinely shocked on the footage of when you won. Like when I think Friedman called, you guys called up for Song of the Year. Yeah, I had no idea I was at the Arias. And that's true too. <laughs> Five minutes beforehand, he said to me, or 10 minutes or maybe an hour beforehand, he turned to me and he said, if we win, I want to do the talking. And I said to him, apparently, when what? He looked at me and he went, you're not coming up on stage, you're not coming up, you're not. And I went, what, there's a stage? I was really, I was on mushrooms that year <laughs> and it was a big year and I remember standing on stage and thinking, oh, this is nice. And then looking up and there was a whole top section. I don't know where it was that year, but it was somewhere where there was a big top section. I'm thinking, wow, there's people and all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good year that year. So and he had no idea, absolutely no idea. We knew we'd won Triple J's Hottest 100 because they told us. And I remember that. But I remember thinking at the Aries, wow. Nobody said anything. I would have dressed more appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, have you done all hundred interviews about about no aphrodisiac? Never. Questions? No one's ever asked me about well, it. Well, let, let me ask you three thousand questions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like one of the great songs, right? One of the great world songs. One of the top five Australian songs, probably ever. Like, how'd you write that with Tim? I didn't really. Um, I wrote a song called "Unsent Letter," which I thought he should cover. I was trying to sell it to everybody at the time because I thought it was a good song and I thought someone should make some money out of it, hopefully for me. And I said, you've got to hear this song, blah, blah, blah. And and I sent him a cassette tape with Unsent Letter on it and on the end of the cassette tape was a demo for a song called Horny Blonde 40, which is an <laughs> early, early machine gun track. And... He came over to my house and went, I love that song. I thought, hallelujah. Because I'd asked him before about Unsent Letter and he's going, mm, 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 I want to rewrite the words. <laughs> I went, no, go away. And <laughs> then he turns out he's in love with Horny Blonde 40 and he said, I've got half a song called No Aphrodisiac and I want to put it on the end of it. And I had to listen to what he'd done of No Aphrodisiac. and went, you're crazy. This is a hit, dude, and you're just going to fuck it up by putting... Horny Blonde on the second half. You know the outro about the horny and bone shaxy wants to do it all day. All that stuff yeah, yeah. was from a machine gun song. Yeah, right. And I said, you're completely nuts because you're making a really commercial song into something weird. And I think you shouldn't do that. But it's impossible to tell Friedman anything. Is it? <laughs> no, this is a good idea. And sure enough, everybody liked it. So it was really very much his song. That's what I think. I, I just got lucky because he decided to put some lyrics on. The weirdest thing about the whole, the weirdest story I can tell you about that was that Horny Blonde 40 I wrote, 
I took a weird drug called Nexus and it doesn't exist anymore. I shouldn't be saying this on tape. Anyway. Seven years, seven years. Though. I remember in high school I went to legal studies to watch a court case and it was a, about Nexus. That was in like 96. So that must have been the year, was it? Must have been. <laughs> the the guy who made it died. There's no more left. But we took a range of things and I don't know whether this is real or not. But there was a magazine. I think it was real or it could have been in my head. <laughs> but it had a personals column in it, which was sort of a sex personals from a Christian African point of view. I don't know how to explain it. But it was like all these African women saying things like, African lady seeks a sincere, kind gentleman for romance and masturbation. I was like, what? You know, must be church-going, good, genuine man for, for church meetings and anal. And you go, what? I remember sitting on my floor at home trying to figure it out and going, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read in my life. And I've never seen the magazine since, so I don't know whether it existed or not, but it certainly did that night, so I wrote a song about it, and five minutes later, Friedman puts half of that song into uh, No Aphrodisiac and combines it all and makes one song out of it. And years later, I got a phone call from someone saying, John Farnham has just covered No Aphrodisiac and has gone the full Monty with the outro. And, <laughs> and you must get a copy. And I forgot about that. And then one time I was on a plane and they had John Farnham's album songs from when I was young, which I thought that's hilarious because John Farnham's three times my age. Was he doing Glenn Miller or something? He was doing No Aphrodisiac and he covers No Afro and he does the full outro, which is uh, horny, shaved, sexy, wants to do it all day with a gun-toting, trigger-happy tranny named Kinky Renee. And when I wrote those lines, I thought, never imagined John Farnham. (laughs) It's a very strange thing. You can get a copy of it. Somehow him singing it just seems dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this whole kind of pornographic outro done by John Farnham. It was anyway. weird. I remember because he released that album and it was a weird Because I think there was a Gotye song he covered too as well. Like he, Is song, that how you say that? I thought it was Gotye. Gotye, Gotye. Yeah, well, Wally I know the guy you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. even say it, but like... <laughs> it was quite odd to hear Farnham singing a song you'd written when you were completely out of your mind. So I would have liked him probably. to have covered um, one of your other songs with the lyrics, she's hetero, she's retro, she's Ellie Mae going down on Jethro. <laughs> Black Lamb? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen maybe Farnham. Did you ever think of maybe calling Farnham to, you know, collaborate? Sure, I thought you said that, that Farnham had covered it. Oh, no, no, no. I said it would be a good one. Yeah, it would. Um, no, I've never met John Farnham, so I'm sure he's a lovely bloke and I thank him every day for Contributing to the kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blake, going back to No Aphrodisiac, you got in on the publishing when people were still buying CDs, which was the, the best time to get in on it before the downloading fucking boom. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. got paid. <laughs> yeah, we did a little bit, although uh, I think I actually think Friedman was a bit generous with that because, like I say, I think it's his song and he should have taken the lion's share. I was just having a bit of an out of it year that year and <laughs> managed to get super lucky with something. Well, that's something to be proud of, a legendary track to you, man. Oh. I think 
My favourite memory with you is I remember the year that Roller Coaster and Pussy Town were both in the top yeah. ten of the yeah. hottest one hundred, <laughs> and your speech on Triple J was one of the funniest things. When they're like, "So what do you what do you got to say to all your fans?" You're like, "The ba- fuck you, the backlash starts now." <laughs> it was one of the best, one of the best radio crosses I think I've ever heard. And so true, <laughs> so true. I think ro- Roller Coaster Roller Coaster ended that band. Um, <laughs> And I'm not joking about that. I really think it did. Well, you'd never figure out what we were and Rollercoaster kind of put us on Nova and everybody who was listening to Triple J and running Triple J hated our guts all of a sudden and we never got played on Triple J again, really, or certainly not anything new. It was all, we hate you because you suddenly became commercial and... I don't know. It was weird. I've watched other people do it and not cop the hatred that we copped, but I guess that's life a little bit. Um, I feel like roller coaster was the end. Really? There you go. That's a sad thing to say. Yeah. Like, that's all I told me I thought. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 It really was. The backlash really started then. Oh, wow. And the band broke up shortly afterwards. Uh, there was another album on ice. After. Yeah. But we were all on ice. Well, that's not quite true. It's a bit slanderous. But some of us were. And I think on ice was a bit of a disaster. So, and then I quit and that was that. But roller coaster feels to me like the moment where everything sort of turned to shit. Because um, suddenly we didn't know what we were. We'd started as a kind of a, hey, let's get go to your place on Friday night, make some music, take some drugs and hang out and have a party and listen to records. And I don't know, we recorded some songs for no reason except that we felt like it. And then once Roller Coaster happened, which was a kind of a, I don't know, it was what it was. It was just a funny little pop song. And then suddenly it was everywhere and all over commercial radio and the world changes when that happens. Suddenly it's like, oh, come up with another roller coaster, come up with this, come up with that, you know. Try and be Sneaky Sound System five years before Sneaky Sound System exists, (laughs) if you possibly can. (laughs) It's weird. And whatever sort of commercial success we had was like... I don't know, there were a lot of haters at that point Mm. in time. The world was in a strange place because you weren't really allowed to be... uh, It's hard to explain now, but dancey pop stuff was really frowned upon. And I think a band that got fucked over much more than we did was Girling who I think is still probably the most underrated band in the history of the universe. And I thought they were amazing, but they just kind of... You weren't really allowed to do two things. You weren't allowed to be indie and you weren't allowed to be dance at the same time. You had to be one or the other. And I remember seeing Girling um, play at one of the um, home bake festivals one year and... Uh, I'm a big fan of their uh, Space Capsule song. I really enjoyed that. And so, anyway, they would get to the end of their set um, and they were like about to sort of go through the motions of doing an encore. And basically, the crowd were just like booing them off. Not, not really booing them, but yeah, were. It was weird. It's hard to explain. Everybody was either Indian rock or they were dance. And there was yeah. no kind of being both. And I thought Girling were an amazingly great band and they kind of got 
they kind of didn't get what they should have got, but they paved the way for people like uh, Empire of the Sun, etc. Mm-hmm. The world go. wasn't ready for backpacks on stage. <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. They wasn't. They weren't ready for it. Or if you're going to do it, you had to go and do it in the boiler room. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it was. But the um, sound wh- like an old guy. Wh- what year was roller coaster? I have no idea, but I think it was two thousand and yeah, two or one. Yeah, one or two, three. I've got another conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, this would be good. The, the internet was around, right? But it wasn't broadband. wasn't around. That that was the era where internet just took off into like yeah. everyone's lives. And it changed the fucking world. Music suffered immeasurably. Mm. Downloading fucked everything up for making money out of it. So everyone's creative talents are going elsewhere. Yeah. That was the I era. don't know whether that's true. I just don't know. I mean, maybe, but it also changed things in terms of people could find you without... True. Arctic monkeys. Like the chances of getting played on Australian radio are one in a billion. And so if it wasn't for the internet for some true, people, true. nobody would have known about well, it. Maybe it didn't ruin it. Maybe it just shifted the... It just changes it, dude. Like, it's the whole... Perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I mean, the, the whole debate around um, downloads versus CDs and all that sort of stuff. I mean, one of the reasons why iTunes took off when it did is because without actually, like, embracing the way it was going, like without embracing the download sort of culture that was coming, the the record companies were going broke because their model was failing. They actually weren't um, able to keep selling CDs the way they were selling them. And that's why those Napster and all that was a huge success and they attacked them and everything. But then they just saw... I saw an interview with um, Steve Jobs and he reckons that they just... The record companies just came and knocked on his door and they said, help us, we don't know We don't know what to do next. And that's where iTunes sort of came from. I was still <laughs> buying Happy Land singles, mate. But <laughs> don't put me in that class. <laughs> Yeah, but I think, well, you talk about that, the down the advantage is now that, because bands are making their money from concerts, so, like, for guys like us who raised on 90s and early 2000s, we're seeing all our favourite bands come That's back great. on a reunion to us. Wheel them out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get, I mean, get Timmy Rogers out of his fucking... Well, yeah, Timmy's never been off the road. He's still... Yeah, still... Yeah. He's doing 350 gigs a year now instead of 340. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got to see The Offspring two years ago, singing their old stuff. Bruce Springsteen's touring, like... Every three months now, this to Australia. I never used to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting, given that his gig goes for about two months. <laughs> <laughs> and someone yells out, fuck, no, I didn't do Thunder Road. <laughs> <laughs> Four hour gig. But um, how about reforming the band? Any thoughts? Any tours? Which band? What about Tim- Pinky Breaker from the White Russians? Any. I just don't um, know about that. I don't know, just. I haven't got time at the minute. I've got too much else going on and I'm kind of stuck with other things and I would give anything to do some music. I formed a fantastic band called, well, some days it was called The Rectangle, sometimes it was called Rice Asterisk, sometimes it was called a whole bunch of other stuff. But just before I left Melbourne a couple of years ago, I got together the world's greatest band in the universe and recorded most of an album with them and and then left came to sydney so we did a little tasmanian tour earlier this year went down for a couple of gigs down there but it's really hard i just find bands hard you've got to rehearse and you've got to lose a thousand bucks every time you open your eyes you just 
to, to get on stage is a hassle. So it's a shame. I'd like to do music pretty much more than anything in the world. But I don't, I don't know how to do it. What about just doing demos at home and stuff? You're still getting involved in that? I've got like three albums. Because <laughs> 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 you, know, you look at it and you go, I to mix this is going to cost X amount of money. To get it pressed is going to cost X amount of money. I'm going to go and do a gig and the same 30 people that came to my last show are going to come to this show. And, and I'm going to lose 10 grand. And... And I'm probably really the only reason I'm making this record, so I'll probably just play it to myself. <laughs> and and that's that. And know. then you sit there listening to yourself and you go, geez, I like my old stuff better than my new stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> not even. Stop hating on yourself. I've never <laughs> had that day. I'm yet to have that day. I just think that you, you just do things better. As you go along, unless yeah. you're Elton John. <laughs> but um, no, I like my new stuff way better than my, I didn't know what I was doing with the old stuff. I had no idea. But I figured it out after, I, after a while. I love the White Russians. I really mm. love them and I love playing with them. And we do Tasmania occasionally. That's the only place I go. I go down to Tasmania and do a gig. Like we went and toured with Elvis Costello last year and that was a blast. And I went down with a different band this year and I'll probably go down again next year. Tasmania is good. You draw a crowd, everybody loves it and it's fun. It's definitely because I'm from Tasmania. I've moved up to Sydney ten years ago, and it's definitely changing since I was there. It's the best place to play in the world Fair enough. for me. Yeah. yeah, and they actually have a music scene, and they mm. give a shit. And I mean, where are you going to play in Sydney? I don't even know where you'd go. I did a gig at the factory, which was sort of okay, but I think everybody got confused because they went, "Aren't you doing stand-up comedy?" <laughs> <laughs> There's, well, plenty, there's plenty of VIP poker rooms to play in, mate. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> scumbags. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute scumbags. Yeah, and they closed down most of the decent sort of gig venues. Yeah. Well, the Hopeton, yeah. It's about the Metro. Down. The Metro's still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metro's still But going. you've got to be able to fill a room with 1,500 people. True. To play the Metro. Yeah, Metro's pretty big. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Even the factory, like, it depends which room. If you play the main room, that's yes, too eight. big. That's no, too big. I went underneath. Oh, the little one, yeah. You can fit in 10 people and it looks crowded and that's really fun to play. Yeah, I did my festival show there in that one. But the um, yeah, live music. Fuck, I would give anything to be alive in the eighties, watching like Stray and Crawl and like Cultures and shit. It's all about stand-up comedians now. Thank Christ for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well you say that like you, you're talking about the cost of getting on stage for us. Doesn't we don't have to buy equipment. I know. All we need is a note, and you don't really need a notebook anymore. You can just go up. And... I did it for the first time last year, was it, or the year before? The year before last, I went and did a couple of weeks at Melbourne Fringe. Just me and a bottle of water and a microphone, and I've never made so much money in my life. It's incredible, <laughs> and yeah, I get it. Yeah, well, you like it's funny because like before I got into comedy, I used to go to me like yourself. I remember seeing you, Freeman, and Mac- was it McCormack down at the basement telling oh, yeah. s- telling stories and doing songs, and that was one of the best nights ever. Like, uh, yeah, glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a shocker, but. Yeah, it was me, McCormick, Friedman, and Perry Keys. Oh, Perry, yeah. Yeah. And 
for him he kept spinning out and saying don't talk don't talk don't talk don't do when he's talking between songs it's all about songs which <laughs> i'm coming from the opposite direction well I, I, I actually went for the story i mean the songs are a bonus but but always though yeah. every musician i've ever seen i think i can listen to the record at home i want to hear you talk mm. and see what you're on about <laughs> my mate saw guns and roses in 90 90- Oh, it must have been 93 or something in the Eastern Creek and some yeah. cover, some support band comes out and he opens up with this. Sydney, suck my fucking dick. Skid right. <laughs> but it was the best thing ever in between fucking songs. Yeah. Yeah, that's witty banter, that one. Oh, and there's a yeah. festival show for it. Yeah, but like, I mean, um, sometimes they go overboard but with the with the chit-chat in between. I can't think they do. John Final, for example, he thinks he's fucking... The only one, George the only time I've ever seen it and it got wrong and it was funny. It was Guns and Roses two thousand three. Oh, whenever they like were last, not last till two. When he had the corners. No, it wasn't. It was the support. Angry Anderson was the support act, and they come out, belled out a song, and then Angry gets up and does his little racist rant. Like, oh, <laughs> really? He gets up. This was before he went. They sent him to Afghanistan, but he gets up and he goes, Australia, you're all welcome, but you fucking speak English, and I'm just like, oh, this is bad. This. And the crowd fucking cheered him. And it was like, oh, it ruined the night. It's a gunner show, mate. Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, well, you, you can only say he picked his demographic there. Yeah. Uh, well, I just, maybe I got lost. I should, I, I headed back to the inner west after that. Yeah. Back where it's safe. Back where it's, or, back where it's tolerant, more like. Every time Angry does an interview and they should say, how are you? He, always, he has to say furious every time. I'm furious. I'm fucking angry, mate. He's got his own pokey too. Another fucking sellout. He's got his own what? Rose tattoo pokey. Really? He's got a rose tattoo pokey. Disgusting. Machine. I didn't know that. I'm any pokies, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I see that. So you have to thank Tim Friedman for that song next time you see him. Okay. <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, but what, like, what, so there's a rose tattoo brand top pokies. Mate, there's down at the bar Broadway, sir. <laughs> I, I don't hang out in the pokies rooms, mate. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Like, because I've seen, like, because obviously there's a pinball machines, but the pokies is a spin off. Yeah. Oh. It sold the fucking. I, I don't know who owns the rights to rose tattoo, but. Not going to defame anyone, angry. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a changed man now since they sent him to Afghanistan. As what? Well, he went to that show. Go, you know what is it? Go back to where you came, came from. They took him overseas. They get put him through the experience of the refugee, and he's come back and realised I was wrong. And he's yeah, he's actually re- recanted his views since then. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's now tolerant, Anderson. Instead of angry. Well, most people that are intolerant are intolerant out of fear. Yeah, ignorance, ignorance, and fear. That is very true. You know, it's a bliss, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> so, any stand-up on the horizon for us then, Pinky? No. Come on, mate. <laughs> I don't think so. I did it. I had a go. And, yeah, that's enough. That's enough. You've been described as a raconteur. I'm describing you as a raconteur, if I can pronounce it. Yeah. I just didn't love it. I don't love it. I think it's an odd job for a person. I've always had a problem with stand-up com- comedy. I never went to any ever because I thought it's your job as a human being to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you shouldn't get paid. And the idea of paying someone to be funny is like, that's what I'll just go to a family dinner. That would be enough. It would be a lot funnier. I thought of the career as a reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> The reason I did one was because I got dragged along to see a comedian and I sat there and I was so unhappy and he was so unfunny and I – he was in a massive venue in Melbourne 
and he was clearly making a lot of dough and I sat there and just did figures in my head. It was like being an accountant for a night mm. and looked at his setup and then afterwards went out and just slagged him. <laughs> <laughs> to my friends, I was sitting there at this table. Are you sure you're not going, a comedian? <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, ever. That guy was not funny. And yet the audience were loving it. And he's got a very good reputation as a magnificent comedian. And I just thought, this guy's a dick. And I said that. And then one of the people I was sitting, having a drink with, booked me a fringe show. I said, all right, you got two, you're on for two weeks during fringe. If you're going to slag someone off like that, you can go do it yourself. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then about a week before the show, started asking some comedian friends, so what what do you do? They're like, have you got show written? I mean, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Right. They're like, so is it like five minutes, ten minutes? I mean, it's an hour. I've got to do an hour. They're like, dude, you've got to cancel this. This is not going to work. You've got to have a, like, you start with five minutes, then you do ten minutes, then you build up a show. I'm just going to go and talk for an hour. That will do. And it was okay. It was kind of fun. I had a thing called the Wheel of Misfortune. Where <laughs> I bought one of those chocolate wheel things and I wrote on every slice of the pie, I wrote something out of my life. And like there was a pie slice called MGF. There was a pie slice called Toast. There was a pie slice called being Bernard Fanning for a day. <laughs> and wherever it landed, I just, whenever I ran out of something to say, I just spun the wheel and talked about whatever the pie slice was that came up. But then people start coming out of the audience and manipulating the chocolate wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I say, who wants to come up and spin it? And they come up and they just do that. Sorry, I know this doesn't translate to radio. I'm. Yeah, they manipulated the wheel and made me talk about certain things, which was kind of good too, because you got to know what people wanted to hear. After a while, I enjoyed it, but it was really weird after doing so much music in my life. Music, it's a completely, utterly, totally different. I thought it would be the same as being a singer in a band. I thought it'd be the same sort of vibe, and it's absolutely nothing like it. You can't like. When I'm a singer in a band, I know what the audience is thinking and I know what they want and I know whether they're bored, I know whether they're restless, I know whether they want an up-tempo or a slow-tempo, I know if they're digging the whole thing. With comedy, you've got no idea. Absolutely none. How do you go with, like, like when, when, obviously when you're a band, take Pinky Baker from the White Russians, you have your set list, yeah. your strictly, is it strictly like, I've, got a, I've actually got a machine gun set list back here that I nabbed. Um how strict is it? Do you sort of scar- machine gun was super strict? Yeah, because it wasn't run by me for starters. It was run by people with discipline, and because <laughs> everything was very planned before the show, because we would get out of it during the show. So you had to have an anchor somewhere, or you know, some of watch some of our early shows. I've got one on video, which is just wow this is nuts and so you needed a a thing yeah white russians i do like i know the first two songs and then i don't know what happens after that we'll just just read the crowd see what they say i like it when the crowd goes play this song and you go yeah all right we'll give that a go you got a rough plan but with comedy you just i couldn't tell what 
anybody was thinking. I also found it really hard to just talk about my private life. It was like, that's my personal stuff. And you people, I don't know any of you people. And I know that sounds dumb to <laughs> no, figure no, no. out while you're on stage. You think I thought yeah. of that beforehand. But it was odd. It was like... I don't know if I want to... Like, I did a long rave one night about my mother-in-law. Sorry, my stepmother. And and I found myself in the middle of it going, this is nobody's business but my own, and I should go home now, except I've got another 35 minutes <laughs> <laughs> And these people have paid. So I, I should at least say something funny about it. And it kind of was funny, but it was also really personal. And I thought... I'm a bit weird about people who talk about their personal lives in, in a crowd. But a lot of comedy is just do jokes and like don't let people into their personal life as well. Yeah, and I love those people. This might pop. There's, there's I'm not that good. Yeah. I just they're they're called talented people. <laughs> yeah, no, but like put, put it with music like Bob Dylan, like confessional type guy. And then you got like um, I don't know, Phil Spector songs, you know? So, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. How we, that's how we yeah. Uh, yeah separate ourselves in the comedy. But you sort of say too. that like for me, like when I go on stage. It's a, almost like a character. Like me yeah. on stage is not like there are. There's parts. And I of like my, that. Yeah, there's parts of my act that you think are personal, but it's sort of like there might be a kernel of something that happened, but you kind of reinvent it's it. It's a fictional event. Yeah, yeah. I'd uh, that would be good to do. Have you thought of maybe doing a storytelling slash show where you know tell a few stories? That's kind of what it was. Yeah. It was two weeks of I'm just going to get up and tell stories. You know, about shit that happened to me mostly and some things that actually it was just stories, yeah. really. And and that was fun, but I couldn't do it forever. And there's no immediacy. I don't know. There's something primal sex about being in a band. And also you can make a lot of noise. I really like making a lot of noise. <laughs> it's hard to make that level of noise as a comedian. Yeah, one mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. One so voice. you can sort of hear people thinking. And you can – I've got a, a bit of an auditory OCD where I can hear things and they freak my brain out. And during the com- comedy show, I would hear noises and my brain would go, I wonder what that noise was. Was that plastic? It sounded a bit like plastic. I think it was plastic. I wonder who's got plastic. I think that person over there has got a plastic bag. And that, you don't want to be thinking that. Thing. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I tell a story yeah, no. about, you know, <laughs> Whereas if I was in a band, I can't hear anything at all. Yeah. Just a wall of, of noise. It might be a good non sequitur, that. It's in the middle of a joke. Who's got a plastic bag? <laughs> there was a few weird non sequiturs. Yeah. <laughs> there was a girl that vomited during the show. I thought that was quite interesting. It's a big laugh. Did she stay or did she sort of like. No, she left. <laughs> but I sort of. She jumped out halfway through and it would have thrown me, except that I'd seen her just vomit her second beforehand into a cup. And I thought, all right, you're not leaving because you hate me. You're leaving because you're just about to projectile <laughs> yeah, all over the people in front of you. So <laughs> I've had a guy fall off a chair and cut his head open while I was on stage. And the ambulance were called. And I just like, I'm about to get off and the publishing just goes... Kill time till we get him out of here. Oh, yeah. So I had to, you know, do jokes while I'm watching a guy get worked on. <laughs> that would be weird as a comedian. That was a tough gig. That was a tough, tough One gig. of the first machine gun gigs, and I hadn't had a lot of experience as a front person, and a guy came up and knelt at my feet, which I thought, that's okay, but he started to cut himself like heaps. Wow. And 
It was really weird because it's like, I don't know the protocol here. This guy's cutting himself to bits. And uh, and he was just like right there. And I kept sort of, I wasn't sure what to do. So in the end, I just kicked him into the audience. Do that elsewhere, bud. No, don't bleed. I'm just, I just don't want to be bled upon. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a fair, fair point. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard to stop a show. Uh, I remember being on stage at Newcastle Beach some beach in Newcastle or the harbour or somewhere on New Year's Eve. And was it a brewery? Be... The Queensworth Brewery? <laughs> it was right on the waterfront and yeah. it was New Year's Eve. That's when I had the big the party there, yeah. There must have been, yeah. I don't know, how many people would I'm there I'm from be? Newcastle, so... 50,000 or <laughs> something? fucking many people. I don't know. <laughs> <A lot. laughs> but I, we came on it just before midnight then did a countdown and then played the gig and I remember looking out and... Every single person in the whole audience, all 40,000 of them, were all punching and glassing oh, each other. Oh, they're fucking animals. <laughs> it was amazing. Animals. I remember thinking, this, got like, this could go down in history as the bloodbath of the century. <laughs> and I wonder if I should be saying anything about it. And it was just, and it was just Newcastle on a Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm now seeing a little ballad called yeah. Ancient Letter. Throwing <laughs> 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 it all down. <laughs> the other one was at Warrnambool Uni during O week and we came on at one in the morning after they'd started drinking at 10am and they'd had largely free booze all day and uh, Coca-Cola had given out yo-yos <laughs> <laughs> and the first song I copped about four yo-yos <laughs> and the next song I copped a couple of yo-yos and then about three songs in I made a really stupid uh, decision I stopped the gig and said, the next person who throws a yo-yo at me, I'm going to fucking jump in the crowd and stick the yo-yo right up your ass." <laughs> <laughs> and they waited till I did Unsent Letter solo oh. and they just like 2,000 yo-yos into me. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And in your brain you're going, do I walk off? Do I get off? Will I be able to walk off? One more yo-yo, I reckon I'm going to be unconscious. This is not dignified. This is not dignified singing a ballad with my hand on my head. But then walking off is not oh, really dignified either. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, that was a shocker. It's like, was I got Lisa Mitchell with the Do You Have a Dollar song, The Coin Laundry? They know. had to put up signs because people, when she'd sing that song, people would pelt her with one dollar coin. Oh, just like George Harrison with the jelly beans, <laughs> the banner from the kids from just throwing jelly beans at him because he said he liked jelly beans. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Well, that's, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the factoid. <laughs> I, think, I think it is. I'd rather have copper jo- jelly bean head than a one dollar coin. Oh, hard yo yo. Coca Cola yo yo. Coca Cola yo yo is hurt. <laughs> What's next, Coca Cola? Ninja stars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish they'd put out plushies. <laughs> Something a bit softer in the edges. Fucking mm. too funny. Definitely. Well, it's time for time for on the podcast where we've got we've got a one segment. Ryan, are you ready to go? I am ready to go. So, well, this segment's called Ryan's Random Questions, where pretty much Ryan asks us some random questions. Oh, all right. So, yeah, we need the theme music though. You need. The th- Come on, we're gonna get sued. No, we're not. Oh, What's like, the theme music? It's me humming an old. I think it's a Johnny Carson thing. Yeah, yeah, go. Ryan's Random Questions. Excellent. Question number one. If you were a corrupt politician, what would you want as your portfolio? Corrupt. Yeah. Corrupt 
So, like, what would well, guessing, what would be the thing that to make that to take? Yeah, policing. I think. I reckon planning. Planning's where to the big bucks. Yeah. So, like, you own a you own a construction company, and you're also the planning port minister and that sort of thing. Is that what you yeah. mean? I reckon it'd be easier to hide arts. Arts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think there's any funding there plenty of, money, plenty of money in the arts yeah. No, but if you're really, really corrupt Presumably you'd have all the funds at your disposal Like, I don't know You could just completely screw things up For a lot of people yeah, yeah, for I think, sure. I think I think that was isn't that Abbott's arts policy at the moment. Yeah, I guess you know, so. You get a million yeah, dollars well. for baller, house ballerinas, but yeah, I don't know. In Australia, you're I fucked. don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, Abbott's probably already answered it. He's the minister for women, so he's uh, you know I don't know how he chose that. Imagine <laughs> if Joe Chaparty had the arts portfolio, he'd be fixing the areas and like. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Chaparty. So that's what I was thinking. That's what was going through my mind. Could you fix the areas? Could you do this? Could you do that? Maybe you know? Joe did that for you. He's like, I think I think. Pinky and that needs some some areas. I don't yeah. think Joe and I have ever been close. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like look at Joe. I like how you. Don't. I like how you can't be certain about it though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just not sure. Don't you have those people who come up to you and say, you know, we did this and we did that? I get that a lot. <laughs> just look at them and go, God, good, good. Remember that's Joe, that's Joe, great. Joe walks up and goes, remember to give your play to the Auburn Council? <laughs> it's a wonderful night. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know if he did. I have no idea. Genuinely. Genuinely. Yeah, very good. All right, we'll go on for question number two then. Uh, if you could change the title, I'm on a political slant today. Sorry about this. If you, you could really change the, the title of the leader of our country from prime minister to something else, what would it be? Well, at the moment, cockhead. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Odd number minister. Not him, though. Someone else. Prime number yeah. minister. Prime number minister. <laughs> Some, someone else, not him. Optimus someone else. Prime minister. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Any you, prime minister. So, so Just you're, the, you're, you're the, the office of the, itself. The office itself. Yeah, you're the leader of the country. You don't like prime minister anymore as a term. What are you going to call yourself? Big guy. The big guy. <laughs> the big guy. I quite like. Yeah. Or, uh... And then you'd have the, and then the next term you'd have the historical first female big guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could have big lady. So that might be good for all of them. <laughs> Abbott had to call himself Big Lady. <laughs> big Lady Abbott. You'd, you'd, you'd want to really big puff. <laughs> you're going to really want to have the job if you are going for that for that type. Mm. Excellent. All right, number three. Um, when you watch a movie, are you able to easily suspend your disbelief, or are you a nitpicker? Depends how good the movie is. I've stopped watching them. Stop watching movies. Mm. Yeah. Giving it up. Yeah. It's hard to explain, but Is I feel about m- movies like I do about classical music. Actually, I've started listening to classical music again, so that doesn't work, that theory. But there's so much good television out there yeah. that mm. I don't True. get time to watch features anymore. And features are in this rut where it's like, and everybody's going to hate on me for this, and go, well, what about blah, 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 blah. What about the 500,000 television shows I'm trying to get through at the moment and loving 90% of them and going, this is awesome. And this is weird too because a television show is possibly going to go for 60 hours Mm. and that doesn't faze me. But giving up an hour and a half for a bad feature film (laughs) hurts me to the quick. It's like I can't deal with this. You know, is, is this going to be bad? And I don't like going to theatres. I've got a real problem. I'm like, has anybody seen The Aviator speaking yeah. of feature film? I've got the same thing. It's like there's people's germs in there. Somebody's <laughs> going to shake my hand. Somebody's going to eat popcorn in my ear. I just, I want to go home, watch the television. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Sorry they're, to everyone who's making feature films. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely are. I think the the business model of feature films is reflects what you're talking about. These days, it's all about huge marketing push, opening weekend, get people in the door before anybody knows that it's yeah. crap. Basically, is the yeah. way. Is the way but you also right. sort of know how it's going to roll. You know, at page at, at minute twenty two, something's going to happen, and yeah. then at minute eighty four, something else is going to happen, and then they're going to resolve it, and then. That's but, the end. And yeah, good And then, and then what, Godzilla will show up. Yeah. Whereas some television shows now, you just, anything could happen. You watch that True Detective? Yeah? <laughs> Look, I gave it a go. I watched a pilot. I try and give everything a go because that's what I've sort of, I'm heavily into, because that's what I'm doing for a living now. I'm making TV. So, oh, yeah. Who yeah. is? If, it, got if, it. if you can say <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm making a series for the ABC, which I've written and which I'm now about to shoot in August and it's Sweet. eight hours of of my brain which is horrifying but um, so is it a race ahead Mark 2 or no that's a joke come on <laughs> no. I was just thinking I didn't you know, you know I didn't do a race ahead Mark 1 you know that don't you but do you know that uh, are you sure yeah I do because I remember where I was when I saw it <laughs> it's in David Lynch's hair yeah yeah uh, I used to have an eraser head fridge magnet. <laughs> I was a big fan. Um, Me too. <laughs> where were we? Your show, your show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Before I bullshit it. True Detective, that's yeah. what you asked me. I gave it a go. I felt like it was a show taken over by actors and I hate that. I felt like it was, let's act now. Let's act harder than we've ever acted in our lives. <laughs> that was McConaughey for sure. Let's just really act. Like, I'm going to make this, the fact that I'm having a cigarette during this scene is going to take over the whole show. It's all going to be about the cigarette <laughs> and my mannerisms for the I next hour. I agree with you on that. I really do. So I gave up. But everybody I trust said, look, you've got to get through the first four or five hours. And then they settle down and then it's all becomes it's pretty a cool heavy. show. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, there's so much else going on. that It's in the pile. Mm. It's in the pile, but it's down the pile a fair bit. Actually, I'm looking for I'm looking for a new series to get stuck into. Re- recommendation. I've seen Breaking Bad. I'm loving this season of Mad Men. Mad Men's probably my favourite of the lot. Uh, insane, Mad Men. Mm. This season of Game of Thrones has been pretty special. Yeah, I'm, I'm Monday night's episode yeah. was pretty intense. I don't mention it only up to six. I'm only up to seven, so I don't want to know about eight yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? I hate all Wizards. I love Game of Thrones. Really? Like, like, like all that sort of you know, medieval like shit, fantasy like, type. Yeah, I was genre. never into it, but this yeah. is blowing my socks off. Yeah, mm. it's a cut above. Um, I was loving Boss, but. I fell a bit behind with it. I've got to get back to boss. Uh, have you ever seen Enlightened? Enlightened's the strangest television show I've ever seen. I, have and not I still don't know whether I hate it, it or love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign, then. I kind of... I, I, I try and get to everything, at least the pilot and the first couple, and then whether I keep up with it is depends how it rolls. Um, yeah. Well, like this TV... Taking over features things, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely what's happening. All the best talents going there now. That Terence Winter did 
Sopranos with David Chase did yeah, for Empire. He just says like, all everyone wants to be in TV now since all the Wire the, and Sopranos. It's, it's mostly like I think the writers. It's the writers are all gone that way because you just couldn't get the. I, I don't think you get the the respect or even the money in Hollywood anymore. They just they, they're such they're such cookie cutter um, plots in um, in feature films these well, days. Well, you've got thirteen hours to mess about with anywhere yeah, between yeah. 8 and 13 and it just makes it more interesting you go I could do all sorts of things here and because you kind of no one else knows what's going on it, it, there's not you're not locked into you know this structure of the solve format. everything in 90 minutes yeah. um, and p- there's a bit more Willingness to take a risk. I'm talking about America. I'm not really mm. talking so much about here, um, but hopefully he will follow a little He's bit. He's keep picking up. I mean, not ignore like the ABC's putting out some great, like comedy wise. Josh Thomas's "Please Like Me." Yeah, was pretty. That was for an Australian major. That was yeah. and that's got massive traction overseas. Um, yeah. Sam Simmons's problems. Yeah, I missed that one, but you know, Chris Lilly too, just mm. sort of. Blew my head off with his first couple of seasons. First one was the best ever. Yeah. It was so, so, it was so original. Curious. You know, I went to work one morning and um, and uh, this girl that I was working with, she says to me, oh, I saw this the weirdest thing on TV last night. It was this documentary and it was about these people. <laughs> <laughs> it was about these people that were candidates for, for Australian of the Year, but none of them, I don't think any of them should be Australian of the Year. I don't know what it was about. I was like, you're talking about <laughs> Week of the Heroes. Yeah, it was very funny. So, like, being from Newcastle, those two twins, the, the kids, Nathan and... The donated eardrum thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They were the, the most accurate country kids you've ever <laughs> seen in your entire fucking life. Yeah, Driving yeah. around in a pulsar with a McDonald's sticker for extra value. Yeah, no, I think the Australian, the Australian TV, um, it, well, it seemed to be taking off, but remains, it remains, remains to be seen. I think it how, sucks fucking dog's balls at the moment. Well, Putting shows left, right and centre. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, but there's still, there, there's more being produced. I hope you're, you're going to do something uh, to fucking... Well, it's a, the ABC. Obviously, Peter's yeah. doing a cooking show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I tried to. Yeah? Yeah, I pitched a cooking show. There was a weird two days of my life where I was going to do a cooking show with Alex Lloyd, but it never turned, never, never came about. <laughs> I thought that would be the strangest television show That's in the world. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always done TV for a day gig. Like, I was doing that sort of before I did music. Uh, that's always been my bread and butter. Is it mostly the writing or is it, um, you know, yeah, other aspects of production? Uh, I'm producing this one, so... Well, I haven't done that for a fair while. I haven't done that since Love is a Full Letter Word. Didn't you read his bio? Or maybe Farscape. It's, it, it says Piggy Bikoff in everything but a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I wish I understood that sentence. Yeah. In everything but a shit sandwich. Yeah. That's a, that's a Bogan saying. Is it? It, it usually goes, is in everything but a shit sandwich. It'd be, it'd be in that as well if you, if you like bread. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that means you're, you're um, I can work so on that one in your own yeah. time I, I don't where's think he's going to hire you as a writer buddy <laughs> Your audition fails <laughs> I can just work on that one What it means is I you're a Renaissance fan I get what it means <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, I get it. where did you find this bio? Was it on, on Wikipedia? Yeah, or on IMDb Wikipedia Oh right, cool No, I didn't see that well, At least you did your homework Yeah Well, I knew about yeah. it anyway but Someone like, He actually added homework. it to your bio too He went and updated your bio So many people do that It's really weird like, I didn't know how it got on there in the first place, and now, like, people will ring me and say, do you know on Wikipedia it said that you wrote, at one point it said that I wrote um, all of What's-A-Face's first record. What's the girl's name? Who 
Missy Higgins. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Got nothing to do with it. I would have left it on there. I did. <laughs> yeah. I actually never touched it. At another point it said I wrote somebody else's album. People just get on there and write things and you think, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Other times yeah. they write things where you think, oh, that's a bit rude. I don't like that. So not so much anymore, which is good. There you go. So Lester's just busily erasing all these questions about Missy Higgins' first album. Yeah, that he had a chance to ask you. I don't know whether it's still up there or not. Pinky, the TV show is coming out today. It's has it got a release date, or it's just going to production. We're shooting in August. We have to hand it in in January. So I don't know what they'll do with it. I presume they want it by January. They want it by January twentieth, I think. So um, I can only assume that means they'll get it on in the. First half of next year, but I don't know. It's up to them. Well, really. I think with Sam Simmons' problems, I remember talking. It, that took him a couple. No, it was. Sorry, this no. is not a comedy show. That's no, not a comedy no, show. Can you give some teas? Yeah, it's about a, a family um, from the Gold Coast, and in the first hour, he gets busted for drugs, and they go into the witness protection program, and they get brought down to Sydney, and. He gets an office in the psychology department of Sydney University and told to shut up and that's where he will be debriefing. But he's never been in a uni before and he's like this kind of career criminal from the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is really weird. This is what so what happens and he starts to get drawn into the world of psychology. He starts to go like he starts to read about forensic psychology in particular and and starts to kind of get obsessed with being an academic and starts to give the odd tutorial and <laughs> it's a bit odd because it's um it's a it's supposed to be a serious drama about a guy who's on the run from his old confederates who he's dobbed on but kind of gets a bit strange halfway through. I don't know how to describe well, it. Well, I'm sold. Fucking yeah, get me I, 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 I'll, yeah. <laughs> it's really it's weird. Yeah. I, had, I, had, I got talked into going to a meeting with some people from the ABC and told to pitch something and I didn't really have anything. And I, I was racking my brains on the plane on the way there and that's what I came up with and was just sort of had to come up with something so that they'd leave me alone. <laughs> and, then, and then five minutes later it was like, okay. Got a script? Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Now I've got to write a script. <laughs> now I've written eight hours of it and I don't think I would ever do that again. Um, when I say you've got a script and you haven't, you go, no, I'll give you a treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two lines. Yeah. I just, uh, I wish someone else could write it. And I tried to hire a couple of writers and it just was like, look, this is in clearly something that's in your head. You better write it. Get Ian Taylor for that. It's not. It's not in my head. I don't know where it is. I don't know whose head it's in. It's in someone's head. It's not. <laughs> anyway, it's done now, and we're about to start. We start pre-production next week, actually. In the middle of. Yeah. We're going to shoot it. You got any dream lead actors for that one? We've cast it, but I'm not allowed to say who at the moment until it gets announced and all of that. The acting world is really very different to your life and my life. It's very odd. It's just so... Well, I'm in criminal law, so it's not that much different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. There's all these weird things. There's all these weird, weird, weird... Like, 
It's like it's like they're gods, even the really small time. What in their mind, you mean? No, in everybody's really? mind. Like when we're casting, you go, oh, well, why don't we send a script over to so-and-so and see – because he's expressed an interest. You know, person X has said they'd really be interested. They've heard about the show. They want to uh, They want to talk about it. So you go, oh, well, get him to screen test. Well, he won't screen test. <laughs> and I go, well, I'm going to fucking have him in my show, am I? And they go, oh, no, when you're at that level, you don't screen test. Like what, street level? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, and and, you know, they come in and they read one scene and then it's like, well, we have to make them an offer now. And you go, well, I I don't know. Can they come back? Well, we couldn't possibly have them back. That would place stress on the actor. Oh, well, fuck me. I haven't got any stress on me. Why should they have any? (laughs) It's really like... It's insane. I wanted to do a show where... Someone went around killing every actor on the face of the earth. Um, and I think that would have a big audience. I think there's enough of us now who want them all dead. I shouldn't be saying that. No, Bill, Hicks, um, Bill Hicks had a movie that he pitched where um, someone is going around killing all the bad comedians, like killing yeah. them. And yet yeah, he, it turns out to be him. And he's like, well, I need to get rid of them for me to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it's just, just a personal thing. Man Parker and Trey Stone, I remember watching some of their behind-the-scenes stuff when they did uh, Team America World Police and Why Puppets, because we fucking hate actors. Yeah. They, just, they just couldn't... Uh, if I, um, if you're killing bad comedians, I'll go buy, I'll go buy, buy a Glock or something to protect myself. <laughs> <laughs> I went and saw somebody who was very funny. What was his name? Jim Jeffrey. And he did a rave about actors and he said... Last year, an Academy Award was won by an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> now, I want you all to think about what you do for day jobs, and you tell me that if an eight-year-old girl could do your job better than you, <laughs> you've got some issues. <laughs> You're not a human being. <laughs> and I thought, geez, I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. God damn you. Well, he's like the biggest Australian comic worldwide. Is he? Yeah. Oh, him and Tim Minchin. It's massive, yeah. Have you seen his TV show, Legit? Mention no, no, no um, Jim's just got cancelled. No. Have a look, like it's no. real. He only got two seasons on FX, but it's really, really good show. FX makes some interesting. Yeah. Louis good shows. Louis very interesting. Yeah, talking about the vision of one guy's insane mind. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. He's off to China with the ducks. He's you know. He mm. does it all for like 120 grand an episode or something. <laughs> We're talking about insane minds. I don't, know <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't quite know where yours is going at the moment, mate. <laughs> you coming up with the sayings today, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, yeah. I haven't got the most. Go after China, but... China with some duck with your shit sandwich and I don't know, whatever else you're fucking talking about. Well, I'll admit that that didn't go over that well, that saying. <laughs> yeah, no. And you workshop that for weeks. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's, he's testing it. I feel like I wasn't very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could have been more supportive there. I'm sorry. You gave it the support it deserved, I think. You gave it more than we did. I feel bad about that. (laughs) I think Nurse Ratchet was more supportive. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I'm not sorry. I want to be sorry. (laughs) That's that's halfway there. That's something. That's a bit. That's something. It's almost as good as actually genuinely being sorry. I'll take that. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that, that's a good night, night to wrap it up. So, Pinky, right. you, you can be found on social media. You've got the fan page. Not much. Not much? Well, to be honest, I check in there in every blue moon. I'll, I'll get my shit together at some point. I'm wrapped up in this show, and then once that's done, I want to go play some music and do something. I don't know. what. I, I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> 
And I get really, people say to me, you've got to get on Facebook and you've got to promote yourself and you've got to do this and communicate with people. And I get all hyped up about it and I go, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that. And then I last about 10 minutes and I go, I don't want to fucking talk to anyone. I want to go home to bed. So maybe next year's my year. (laughs) Next year I'll try better. (laughs) I had a couple of rants. You had a good this one. You were, I, we were at the same event, the Vince Gillian talk at Breaking Bad. Fuck, did that annoy you? It I did. walked out. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. I just got very angry. Yeah. No, the, the, the people were saying, he's pointed out rightfully that it was a, a writer's festival with a head writer and we were talking about actors the whole... How many writers did he mention by name? None. Not one. Yeah. Not one writer on that show got he started, a mention. No, he teased because he said, oh, this happened in the writer's room and then he'd go to a story about Anna An Gunn. actor. Yeah. And then all the questions... Including the ones from from Adam Spencer were so tell us about that Brian Cranston he must be pretty good huh yeah. and you think we're not at the New South Wales Actors Festival hell yeah we're actually at the Sydney Writers Festival yeah that made me cranky but you know I'm a morose fucker at the best of times <laughs> no but there you go like, that's another example of actors getting all these fucking extra kudos writers are the ones driving the engine no one gives a fuck about. No, they don't. I'm an amateur writer too, so I'm on your side. But the um, judging by you're saying very amateur. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the um, it's so true. Like, yeah, the fucking. Oh yeah, you get no. Cr- I've had jokes delivered on TV. They've got great applause. You get nothing from it. Mm. No. no, but I saw. I've th- also had jokes fucked up massively. But <laughs> they had the writers on the um from that show on the Pally Center. It's on YouTube. That they interview them on a panel. Mm. Mm. And they're really fucking boring people, so maybe that's why they won't mention it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of writers are, you know. That's probably the problem. And nobody wants to know about them. Although, you read that book, Difficult Men, which is about the writers' rooms of all those shows. It's about Sopranos, um, Breaking Bad, Deadwood, etc., etc. And it's just about the writers' rooms and... Shit, it's amazing. It's well, David Chase is the most interesting human being alive, just about. Somebody mentioned Terence Winter before, was yeah, it you? Yeah, Terence Winter says, if I got 5% of my work on screen in Sopranos, then I was feeling like it was a pretty good day. Well, wow. Chase just wrote 95% of it. Well, wow. And it kind of hurt my head a bit, because I always imagined a show like Sopranos would be a really tight-knit little brotherhood and sisterhood of people working together to create the greatest thing in the history of mankind. Yeah. And you read the book and go, wow, they hated each other's guts and it was just a fucking Roman bloodbath back there. Really? I've got to read that book. Yeah. It's a great book. The David Millich chapter is... You you read about the world's biggest psychopaths and then you read about David Millich and go, oh, I worship you. You win. <laughs> you win. There's two stories. I'll tell quickly. One is that a writer turns up for his first day on the job on NYPD Blue or something that Millich is in charge of and there's a guy pissing out of the second story of the building onto the entrance to the building and they have to kind of walk around the piss <laughs> and the PA just says, oh, that's David. <laughs> and they go And halfway through Making NYPD Blue He suddenly says I'm not going to write Anything down anymore Light the set Get the actors down there And I'll come down And just talk you all through it Write <laughs> 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 <Like> the script <laughs> Imagine network show You just go Wow You're a genius dude That, that is uh, genius Anyway That's what we all aspire to Yep We do indeed Well okay. Piggy Thank you for coming along Thanks for having me Definitely So check Cheers. it out 
ABC next year, guys. Hiding. Hide in hiding. Till it's then. called hiding. Hiding. Yeah. There you go. So check yeah. that out. Lester, you're on Twitter at Lester Diamond Twenty Eight. So see him there for more of his fabulous metaphors. <laughs> so and also see him getting in fights with the producers of. Records. Oh, yeah, records. You also find me at local pie shops, you know. Yeah. Where, where else? yeah. There you go. And Ryan, you're on Twitter at Ryan V. Crawford. And you can follow me on Twitter at MWO and also at Comedy on Edge. Guys, thank you for listening. And if you're listening on iTunes, give us a review or rating for some stupid reason it really helps. Um yeah, that'd be good. Thank you guys for listening and Ryan, hit the music. Shit sandwich. <laughs>